0: Welcome back, everybody, lesson two in our study of the book of Job. As we think about the book of Job, obviously we'll be studying verse by verse, chapter by chapter, at some level. It's actually a really long book. I won't be able to talk about every every verse, but I definitely want to hit the high points, uh, even of the discussions that Job will have with his buddies, which comprises a good chunk of the book, actually. But before we dive into looking at the text itself from chapter 1 all the way to the end, I actually want to see where is the book of Job placed in the biblical canon? And how could that orient our perspective about what this book is? So this might be weird to think about this, but do you think it's possible that the arrangement of the books is possibly um, intentionally done to signify how that book relates to the previous book? I feel like this isn't something that we think that often. We think about how one verse relates to the verse before it and after it, how one chapter does the same thing, but what about how one book relates to the book before it and after it, even if it's not narrative? With narrative, that makes a lot of sense. We can recognize that there's a story that's going from Genesis to Exodus. Joseph's family ends up in Egypt. Then we read in Exodus chapter 1 that they had been fruitful and multiplied, and there was a pharaoh who was ruling who did not know Joseph, and the story continues on. But in other types of books, I think sometimes it's easy to forget that there's some intentionality with where that book was placed. And I do want to recognize this isn't straightforward. There's actually been different arrangements of the books of the Bible throughout the years. I mean throughout the last two thousand years. And even today there's different Christian communities that, that have their books arranged differently. Actually, even the Jewish Bible ends with Second Chronicles. It does not end with Malachi. So this is just um, a reality, but I think we could still get some insight into how others view certain books and maybe how we should think about it as well. For example, let me just say the book of Jonah is placed in the minor prophets. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the minor prophets, you know, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, they, they have at times a little bit of narrative in them, but they're not like Jonah. You know, there's a lot of woe oracles going on, Um, doom is coming, but God will rescue. But then there's Jonah in the middle of all of them. And it's this story about this guy who doesn't want to listen to God, and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, and he doesn't want the Ninevites repenting and receiving God's grace. And so he's swallowed up by a sea monster. And if you just start to think about how Jonah could fit within the, the the messages of the minor prophets, some really cool things start to unfold. So that's actually what I want to do right now for a few minutes with the book of Job. I just want to think about where it's placed, and what that could mean for how we approach it. In other words, is there more going on here than just a story? So, traditionally, Job is placed in the wisdom books. They're called the wisdom books. I actually was challenged a few years ago that maybe our view of the wisdom book should expand from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Because Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed. And right before that, he says, they are able to make you wise. They're able to make you wise for salvation. But Job is identified in the wisdom literature group. What is wisdom? One could define wisdom, biblical wisdom, as making godly choices based on fearing the Lord. Making godly choices based on fearing the Lord. Fee and Stewart, in their book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, they say this about wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. You achieve this goal by applying God's truth to your life, so that your choices will indeed be godly. Wisdom, therefore, as the Bible defines it, has nothing to do with your IQ. It is not a matter of cleverness and quickness or skill and expression or age, even though personal experience is a valuable teacher, as interpreted in light of revealed truth. It is a matter of orientation to God, out of which comes the ability to please him. So wisdom is a matter of orientation to God because I think I would suggest God's the source of wisdom. Beginning in Genesis 1, God teaches what is good and not good. The created order is good. The tree God makes for humanity to eat. The trees are good. And the gold in the land is good. It's actually not good that man is alone. So we're told from the beginning that God is able to to correctly decide what is good or not. This is wisdom. God is the source of wisdom, and he wants humanity to receive it so they can be his image bearers and rule. And of course, wisdom is something that's at the heart of the text in Genesis 3. Um, Eve saw that the fruit was to make her wise, and she took and gave it to her husband this theme of wisdom is present there and you know throughout the Bible we're seeking to find people who will be wise and at times we get glimpses of what true wisdom looks like in humans and then of course we have Jesus show up who is the full expression of God's wisdom because he is God There's some passages I wanted to read from some of the wisdom books. Um, And then I'll read uh, a passage, surprisingly, from the book of Job. So let me start with Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. And I want you to notice the theme of how wisdom and fearing God or one's orientation to God is brought up. In these passages, in Proverbs three thirteen through eighteen, blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who gain understanding, for she, that is wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Lady Wisdom. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. To those who take hold of her, those who hold her fast will be blessed. So that individual who wrote that proverb no doubt is thinking about Genesis 3, and Adam and Eve, as they compose this set of Proverbs. Wisdom is a tree of life, and it's in one's orientation towards God. Let me show you. Proverbs 1, 29 through 33. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord... Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. The tree of Genesis 3 is still present here. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and will be at ease without fear of harm. Proverbs 3, five through seven, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Actually, I'm gonna reread that and I'd like you to just think of the book of Job. As, as I read this. Think about Job's journey, the conversation that Job will have with his friends, and, and then if you know what God says when he shows up in the final chapters. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This theme is actually present throughout the Psalms. This theme of wisdom as a proper orientation to God in fear and reverence Notice Psalm 2, 7 through 10. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. And sorry, I think I skipped um, verse 11 there. Verse 11, uh, I think then says to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14, this is the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? A lot of things are said in Ecclesiastes. This is how it ends. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For he will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So you're used to thinking about Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Um, in these ways, maybe even thinking of the Psalms like this. But Job seems to function a little bit as an outlier, kind of like the book of Jonah. Um, It's a, a narrative of sorts. It's actually a dialogue, isn't it? Mainly between Job and his friends. And it It doesn't look like the Proverbs. It doesn't look like the collection of Psalms. It certainly doesn't look like Ecclesiastes. Maybe you feel like it's depressing like Ecclesiastes at some points, but it's something very different. Kind of like how Jonah feels very different from the Minor Prophets. Until you get to Job chapter 28. So I contemplated not bringing this up till the end of the class, but I actually think it's more helpful to bring it up at the beginning because I think it can shape how we will study and think about the book of Job. So I guess in a way I'm giving the punchline away at the beginning. Alright, so spoiler alert, I guess. But Job 28 verses 12 through 28 seems to be at the center of what the book of Job is all about. Okay, so let me read this to you guys. And some Bible scholars are um, in different places about who they think is speaking here. Some say it's Job, but if you have just read everything that Job has said, up to chapter 28 verse 11. To me this does not sound like Job talking. So probably in your Bible, if you look it up, it probably won't have any kind of subheading division where it says, and now the narrator break in and say something. But actually I think that's what's happening. So there's two views. View one, Job is speaking. View number two, the narrator is jumping in and giving what has been known as the hymn of wisdom. So let me read this to you guys. And of course, you're gonna be hearing verses uh, from Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Psalms in this hymn. Job 28, verses 12 through 28. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or crystal, the price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we've heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth, and he sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and the way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And to turn from evil, that is understanding. That's Job chapter 28. And boy, does that sound a lot like Proverbs seven and Ecclesiastes 12. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. So within the narrative of Job, within all of the conversations that he's going to have with his buddies, and God shows up, and God's going to say, Who destroys my how does how does God put it? I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead to Job. 38. Sorry, I didn't have this one planned. He said, who, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And what God is going to begin to say in chapter 38 sure sounds a lot like the conclusions in the hymn of wisdom. The book of Job is about one's proper orientation to God It's about wisdom, it's about fearing God, even when things don't make sense. Proverbs seems to give a sense that life typically will work a certain way if your orientation to God is appropriate. And it seems like the book of Job is gonna come at it from a completely different perspective and say, actually, sometimes things don't make sense, but fearing God is still the right thing to do. The book of Job is a book about wisdom and one's orientation to God. And so because of that, I would say, I don't think the book of Job is about suffering It's about wisdom. See you next time.